Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to be talking about everything from Zephaniah to uh, what goes on in the news. I guess uh, we're listening to the news just before the show started. And uh, they're talking about war with Russia in the Crimea. And uh, it's a a rumor of war. (laughs) So we know that there's talk about that in the Bible of uh, rumors of wars. And... uh, We've had uh, famine and pandemics and everything else. I mean, a lot of people where we're at uh, that are probably listening to this broadcast anyway uh, haven't seen famine yet. There was a shortage of toilet paper a couple of years ago and everybody panicked like uh, life was coming to an end and uh, stores started emptying out. Now stores are probably at the same level in a lot of places and they're supposedly not any panic uh we've had two years of pandemic um but i see in the news people still saying even people arguing pro and cons of the shutdowns and masks and mandates and all these things that are in the news uh they have a great deal of facts and information that just aren't true and they repeat them as if they are true And you can't even have a discussion with them until you get down to the fundamental truths or facts of the situation. But all that scenario, all those dialogues, all those narratives that people are talking about are all in the tree of knowledge. And it's all about information. If you have misinformation, I I posted something on uh, social media and Facebook. And uh, I was informed last night by Facebook that they uh, said there was misinformation in what I posted. And uh, I think the misinformation was that the person who was talking talked all about all kinds of things. It did mention uh, remdesivir once. And, uh, but supposedly their mentioning of remdesivir was false. And, uh, according to these fact checkers. And, uh, that there was nobody who died from remdesivir. I actually know people who were in the hospital for other things and were put on remdesivir and within a few days their kidneys began to fail and they died of kidney failure. Uh, they weren't they weren't dying of COVID. They were dying of, uh, well, they actually died of kidney failure. They didn't have a kidney problem originally. But uh, it was short, and that was what all the trials said about remdesivir is that it was damaging kidneys. This was a serious, serious problem with the, the medication. But according to the fact checkers, nobody has died from remdesivir. <laughs> but that, and that's just it. The fact checker needs to check his facts, but this is this is what they're doing: is they're grafting in all this misinformation, uh, much of it coming from fact checkers, and uh, somebody says the fact checker is 
telling the truth or that this is a reputable source and and uh, Glenn Beck is not a reputable source and one of the things a lot of the things that we do at preparingyou.com which is based on a wiki software so that we can have multiple people who are approved can post to the preparing you site and so they you know sometimes they're going and looking at posts that somebody else did maybe i did and they fixing typos and so you can have a team of people working on a particular article but uh, by the same token if that team is relatively small and you know who the team is uh, there are some people that would make changes and i would always check what they did now, some of them I don't check as closely because I've found them to be reliable in the changes that they make. And so that's the way in which you build that trust. But with the fact checkers and CNN and all these news media people have been giving us misinformation, uh, a plethora of misinformation, so you don't even know what's true anymore. Well, the reality is that's what's been happening recently, but that is not a new thing in history. We have been giving, been given misinformation about history for decades upon decades. And of course, now that we have, uh, new guys, uh, the 1619 Project and all these that are distorting history in, in a phenomenal way. And uh, I listened to uh, in, uh, at least part of uh, a couple of the speakers at Oxford uh, talking about uh, uh, meat, whether you should eat meat, whether we should do, you know, moving beyond meat was the heading of it. And uh, I have not listened to Michaela uh, Peterson, who also spoke there at Oxford, but they finally released it, the, these Speaking engagements took place quite a while ago, but they have uh, these people talking like Ambika Siegel and um, trying to think of some of the other people that were involved with uh, Carol Adams. She gave a speech on uh, uh, vegan feminist, uh, an animal rights advocate. She is known for having written The Sexual Politics of Meat and... Uh, her speech was unbelievably detached from reality. Uh, all of them that I listen to do not have a good perspective. I've I've lived on uh, dairy farms, cattle farms, sheep. Uh, I raise sheep and cows. Um, I've I've been at uh, farms where they uh, free range chickens and where they. Uh, farm raise or uh, industriously raise uh, chickens, you know, with feeders and rows and and all these things. And I've seen all of it. And uh, if you're not very successful at it, uh, your your business fails. And if you are successful at it, your business succeeds. Uh, one of the problems with uh, abuses that might take place occasionally on farms uh, is that. Uh, the moral character of the people, the uh, perception of the people, what what is motivating them. I also heard this week uh, Ocasio-Cortez giving her definition of capitalism. And capitalism is this uh, 
greed for profit that disregards every single thing else uh, except the profit. Profit is the only thing and everything else suffers at the expense of profit. Well, that's not a definition of capitalism. <laughs> that's a definition of a selfish person <laughs> who, you know, would spend $10,000 on a dress to go to a gala uh, about socialism and uh, and climate change and all this kind of stuff, um, which Ocasio did. I, I don't know. I think it was actually more than that, the cost of the dress. It was a ridiculous dress, but... Uh, and it was at that gala that all the people were not wearing masks, but all the help had to wear masks. I mean, it is totally, you know, peasant elitist group uh, uh, operating there. But they don't see, they don't see clearly because they have an emotional agenda. The same as, I'm sure you can find some capitalists who... Uh, who disregard everybody else and everything else, but all they're interested in is profit. I'm sure you can find a capitalist like that. I know you can find a socialist like that, that all he's interested in, in is power. And uh, the reality is it's it's that moral character. And so when you're looking at all these facts... And trying, you know, you're climbing around in what I call the tree of knowledge. You're trying to glean the facts and find out what facts are important. And you're placing value on facts uh, or information that you consider to be a fact. That how you place the value on that, you're still in the tree of knowledge. And if you don't have all the facts, you could come to an improper conclusion. If you put too much value on one fact and not enough value on another, you can come to an improper conclusion. The, the, all these possibilities are in there and they're referred to in the Bible as stumbling blocks where you will misconstrue information and come up with the wrong answer because you either put too much value on a fact or not enough value on another fact or you didn't have all the facts or some of your facts weren't facts and you will come to an improper conclusion. Well now, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, there's we're facing uh, two the biggest nuclear powers <laughs> in the world are facing off in this little country in the... Uh, in Europe, and uh, where is it going to go? Uh, how bad is it going to get? And that can cause all kinds of panic, and of course people will run down and already start buying up the food that they have uh, in the stores and things like that. Some people will. Some people will be completely oblivious to it because uh, they're on TikTok or something. And they don't have a, a clue of what's going on. And even if you know and you look at all the things in the news, how do you know what's really going to happen? Because there are so many unknowns. There's so many decisions that are outside of your purview where you will not be able to figure this out. And then, you know, so what does this have to do with the kingdom of God? Well, it has to do with your life. And so it has to do with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is about life. But like I said, all this misinformation is climbing around in the tree of knowledge 
this ideology of the mind that we create by thinking about things and supposedly occasionally discussing them or debating them. Uh, because it, it talks in the Bible about not being a debater. Yeah, I think debating is a, can be a good thing, discussing things and putting out information. But ultimately, you have to get out of the tree of knowledge and into the tree of life. You have to use the tree of life as the source of your information. Because every branch in the tree of life can become a stumbling block of misinformation. So how do you know what's what? How do you eat of the tree of life? How do we get over, how do we even find the tree of life? And that brings up a discussion I had with somebody on Bible Nerds or some uh, Facebook website where they ask questions about the Bible and I throw in my two cents now and then. Um, and it, it kind of gives me the opportunity of seeing what other people are thinking and occasionally some of the people get to see what I'm thinking. But uh, they, uh, they're they looking at these uh, ideologies and uh, philosophies in and... Uh, uh, stumbling blocks, literally intellectual stumbling blocks in that are created by people trying to figure out what the Bible says by climbing around in the tree of knowledge. They're going to study the Bible because they think the Bible says study to show thyself approved. Remember that quote from the Bible? Study to show the And the word we pointed out that that word study is not translated study anywhere else. It, that's not what the word means in the Greek. They only translate it study there. What it actually means is to be diligent, which is what Christ said, is not just say, Lord, Lord, but do the will of the Father. You had to become this doer of the word. That That has to do with that be diligent, not study the word, but be a doer of the word. Because in that being a doer of the word, we get to observe and see the stumbling blocks. We get to see our mistakes. We doesn't guarantee that we will, but we have that opportunity. And one of the things that the Bible tells us over and over again, all up and down and back and forth, is all the mistakes that we can make. You know, like Samuel 8, 1 Samuel 8. You know, that they, they want to have a ruler. They want to have a leader to do things for them. To make them safe. To protect them. To provide for them. To give them social security. And God says, you know, give it to them if they want it. But tell them what it's going to mean. And Samuel goes and says that, He's going to appoint men over you. He's going to take and take. He's going to take your sons and daughters. He's going to put them in harm's way. Uh, but he's going to just keep on taking and taking and taking of the first of the fruits and everything. And then when you cry out, I'm not going to hear you. Because, because of the gods you have chosen for yourself. Because these ruling judges are now going to decide for you and do for you and provide for you. 
with exercising authority one over the other. Like Christ says, it's not to be that way with us. But it is that way with 90% of the people who call themselves Christians. And I talked late, late last night with somebody who's enmeshed deeply in organ politics and knows what's going on behind the scenes and everything. And uh, there are a number of bills that recently were passed in the last year or so during all this commotion and confusion, which gives the state all kinds of power. It gives all kinds of power over your power, over the power companies, utility companies, and the companies that produce. There, there are utility companies that distribute the power, but there's also power companies that produce the power and sell it to the utility companies. And they added new mandates on these companies, which 90% of the people in Oregon are oblivious to. But it's going to drive up the cost of power. It's going to cause intermittent power blackouts and and rolling blackouts and etc. Which will create more panic, more food shortages, more fuel shortages, more parts shortages. And what what's really behind all this is very easy to see if you're eating of the tree of life. But if you're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to figure it out for yourself, in your own imagination, in your own ideology, in your own brain, uh, you will probably be confused uh, and probably misled and misinformed and going the wrong way. uh, Running towards death. That's what it says in the Bible. That uh, you you have this common purse where some executive officer is deciding what you get and what you don't get. What's right and what's wrong. What is good, what is evil. And you end up running to death. Running to destruction. Running to con- condemnation. While, while you think you're saving yourself. I've told the story during the... German blitzkrieg and bombing of London. There was a guy who was hauling uh, scrap and you know from the bombings the day before, and he was hauling it because fuel was in short supply. He had a horse-drawn wagon that he would load up with stuff and haul, and they had an air raid. And he jumped off the wagon and ran two blocks to a bomb shelter because bombs were going to be dropping. Well, the bomb shelter received a direct hit of a 500-pounder, and he was killed. But the next day, the horse was still standing in the middle of the street, unscathed. So, you think about that guy running, like the story of the man running to Damascus, thinking he's going to save himself, because his mind told him that he's safer in the bomb shelter than he would be out there on the open street. And, of course, logically, that would seem to make sense. But, in truth, the opposite was actually the case. So, where are you going to run? What are you going to do? Are you eating of the tree of life, or are you eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And so, where are we going to go with all this? Uh, the uh, I'll, I'll save the... Uh, my notes on uh, Carol Adams and uh, moving beyond meat because it, it's too involved and we've already gone far enough in this way. 
what we really want to understand is uh, uh, what I was really going to talk to you a little bit about before we get into the actual series that I've been preparing for the last couple of weeks is, uh, you know, this idea of uh, politics and religion. A lot of people think that politics is replacing religion. Well, what before they started replacing religion with politics, they had to re- replace religion with a different kind of religion. <laughs> because religion, remember, used to be defined as the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man, which had to do with pure religion, had to do with how you took care of the needy of your society. It was only pure religion if you did not use that exercising authority of benefactors uh, of the government. You did not use the government. You were unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government. I'm, I'm quoting right out of the Bible, except instead of saying uh, unspotted by the world in the definition of pure religion, I give you the definition of the word world there. The Greek word world there means constitutional order or system of government. So, pure religion is taking care of the needy without FDR. Without uh, LBJ. Without... Kate Brown, without the governor of New York, I don't even know who that is now, (laughs) you know, whatever governor you're looking to, whatever president, you know, without Joe Biden, you're going to take care of the needy of your society without the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And you're going to do it because that's what Jesus said to do. He said not to use those men to take care of the needy of your society practice pure religion and of course part of that pure religion is to take care of the needy not by coveting your neighbor's goods but by love by charity by that pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man when that was the definition of religion the word pious had to do with a duty to your father well who's your father who's your daddy Is it the government? Is that your sugar daddy? Or is your daddy our father who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom comes when thy will be done. On earth as it already is in heaven. What's heaven? The high place. You know, and we talked, uh, you can go back and listen to the show on John 3 and Born Again. Because that's where they talks about born again in John 3. And uh, the word born again in the Greek is, it's not the same word born again that we see in Peter. It's the word born from above. And that born from above is born from heaven. Born from the heavenly places, the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm. That's where the tree of life is, is in that spiritual walking with the Spirit of God. And that's where you need to be getting your source from. But as we'll talk when we get back to Keys of the Kingdom, most people are not getting it from that source. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So this idea of tree of knowledge, tree of life, These are basic understandings. Someone was saying that uh, God can't be in the presence of sin. So that means we can 
we can keep God away. We have the power over God to control God's <laughs> where he can go and where he can't go. No, that, that's actually nonsense. But that, that's one of the ideologies that is floating around. And it's a terrible stumbling block. God can be in the presence of sin, but sin, sinners, people who are whatever this sinner is, we'll have to define that. That's what we're going to have to look at is defining some of these terms right away. Talking to different people who make comments in some of our videos and uh, on the the internet is that they don't define terms. The terms uh, they, they are they are putting phrases together, little catch phrases, and they repeat them as if they mean something. And what they're really doing is worshiping the phrases and these catch phrases which they construct their ideology with. But their ideology is an idol because it's it doesn't have real meaning. They don't have real understanding. And what they are actually suffering from is the what they call the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is a type of cognitive bias because their ideology has become their idolology. <laughs> it has become an idol as something they worship and it has to sound like their ideology when you speak you have to say their phrases their magic phrases you'll see this in lots of things you know like you have to ex- when were you born again when did you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and they have these little phrases that they throw out there and you have to say it that way. That's evidence that they have turned their ideology into an idol. And they worship the phrases, the, the magic chants, the magic words. They're not really born from above. They're born from the intellectual ideology that they have constructed in their minds or been constructed in their minds by, you know, gurus and and false prophets and, you know, uh, putting hand pastors who say these nice, sweet, you know, words, great swelling words and deceive the people so that they're not really living from the spirit. And and one of the things that they do also, just we'll touch on it briefly, is they think emotion is spirit. That if they have an emotional experience, which is... Really, we've talked about this. It's just adrenalines and, and chemicals secreted in your brain that create this emotional, uh, possibly a euphoria or uh, ecstatic uh, experience. Uh, that's, that's emotion. That's not spirit. That's not from above. That's from the chemistry of your body. But anyway, back to the Dunning-Kruger effect is this type of cognitive bias in which people believe that they are, you know, smarter or more capable than they really are. And what what gives you immunity to the Dunning-Kruger effect <laughs> is humility, which is why Christ put such importance upon humility, upon the willingness to admit that you don't know. And that's that's always important in finding the truth is that you are not going to discover or calculate or figure out the truth. 
it may be revealed to you and you see it, but that's in that moment. The next moment, you are just as much in need of revelation as you were in the original. You do not capture the truth like a genie in a bottle. Where now I have the truth and I can go out and defeat people. And this is, you know, defeat my enemies with my truth. But you're, you, and then you start seeing that person wielding around their phraseology, their phrase ideology. Where there's, they say certain things, and uh, and they just repeat them. There, there are several people on the internet who uh, they develop different identities, and they go about. And sometimes they post as one individual, and sometimes they post as another individual. But you see certain patterns in the way in which they write and they speak, and you realize that. That's the same person. <laughs> and the reality is that sometimes they actually begin to create separate personalities. Of course, we see this in schizophrenics sometimes who create multiple personalities. And they are very true to those personalities. But these are all things that come about when we live in that tree of knowledge. And so you want to figure out how to get back to the tree of life and back to the guy who was saying that, oh, God can't be in the presence of sin. No, sinners can't be in the presence of God. And the presence of God is truth and light. That's what you find in the presence of God is truth and light. I am the way, the truth, and the light. A sinner doesn't want to be in the presence of that truth and light because he will see his sin. He will see his failing. He will see that he is naked. That he doesn't have the authority to decide what is good and evil. And he does not want to see that. This is why Adam hid from God. Why Adam fled the garden when a cherub with a fiery sword like a beacon was put there at the tree of life to guide you back to the tree of life, but he did not want to see the truth and he had to flee the light. Which is why Christ in, and, and in John 3, when they're talking about born again, you're not born again if you're still doing evil. Because if you're still doing evil, we know you do not love the light. You love the darkness. You don't want to see that you're doing evil. And so therefore you want to imagine that you're born again. When you're not really born again from above, you're born again of your ideology, of your ideas, of your imagination. Now a lot of people don't want to hear that, but what happens is that makes you susceptible to the Dunning-Kruger effect where you have this cognitive bias when you look at the information in the tree of knowledge and you believe that you're smarter, smarter or more capable than you really are. And then you become a fact checker for CNN. <laughs> so, or whoever. You know, or maybe you become a college professor teaching people history. But a history according to the way you see it. 
and uh, maybe then you go into politics. But how do we get this back to the simplicity of the gospel of how to follow the ways of God and Christ and uh, what that's what Christianity was called, the way. What is that way that will lead you back to the tree of life? You don't have... You don't have power over the tree of life. You can't. You you can't force your way to receive the tree of life and to tr- to receive that the guidance of the tree of life. It comes to you. Now you can be drawn near it, and one of the things that draws you near it is sacrifice. And. That's why the word Corbin, which means sacrifice, comes from a word that means to draw near. And so how do you draw near the tree of life so that you can eat of the tree of life instead of the tree of knowledge? Now, God gave us the tree of knowledge the same as I can give you a hammer. I can give you nails. I can give you lumber. But what are you going to do with that? Are you going to build a house? Do you know how to build a house? Do you know what boards, how long to cut them? Do you understand the plan of building the house? I gave you a hammer. I gave you nails. I gave you lumber. Why isn't there a house here? Because how to build the house doesn't come necessarily from the tree of knowledge. That's a tool. It comes from the tree of life. You know, the, you could design a house that would fall in on you, collapse in on you. Design an airplane. One of the toughest airplanes ever built was is the Beaver. It's a bush plane. And uh, that, that, uh, that plane could do all kinds of things. Almost no other plane. There were several planes that people tried to build at the time to meet the, the need of this you know, short takeoff plane, and uh, they designed it well. They they designed it so that they're still flying <laughs> all over the world, uh, and still doing remarkable things. There's nothing else that probably compares to it. Although they, you know, since then we've in modern technology, but compares to it with workload, etc. There's probably nothing else that compares to it. But the first time they took it up uh, for a test flight, it almost crashed because somebody had installed a a fuel uh, exchange pump, a little pump that's supposed to take oil and put it back in, but they installed it backwards. So it was pumping oil out of the engine (laughs) instead of pumping it into the engine. And uh, so the oil pressure was going down, but unfortunately he landed pretty quick and they, somebody fixed that. But they they had all the tools, they had all the parts, but somebody put it in backwards. That's why you need the tree of life. Because tree of life would have led you to that, to, to see that. And because life is so complicated, there's so many things going on in the news, you know, like what what about the Ukraine, what about... Uh, vaccines, what about shedding? What about remdesivir? Is remdesivir really killing people? I mean, we just had somebody, they just buried him the other day. Uh, he went and got his second booster. 
And before 24 hours were up, uh, he, uh, I don't know if it was his second booster, or it was a, an additional shot over the original shots. He said, I can't move. He told his wife he can't move. And uh, they had to call an ambulance and get him loaded up. And he had blood clots all over his body. Now, why did that all of a sudden show up within 24 hours of getting the vaccination? Um, I, I know more people that died within a few hours of getting the vaccination. And a lot of them who have been hospitalized. A few hours of getting the vaccination. I don't know anybody who who actually died of COVID. I know people who had all kinds of other morbidities, four, maybe even five morbidities, overweight, diabetic, uh, circulation problems, amputations, everything. They said, well, they died of COVID. Well, no, they died of all these other things. <laughs> but, so... So where are the facts? Where is the information? I, I posted uh, on social media a doctor in Houston. Uh, uh, I forget what her name is. A woman doctor. And she has a whole clinic. And the Methodist Hospital is after her because she's prescribing things that they don't like. She's, they say that she's giving misinformation. Of course, her patients are surviving by the thousands. And she wants to see the statistics of what's going on in the Methodist Hospital. Where's their statistics? Who's surviving? Who's getting really sick? Who's dying? Is it the vaccinated? Is it the unvaccinated? Oh, they won't release that. Even though by law, they're supposed to have that information available because it's a non-profit. So, so they're not into giving you the truth or the information. They're into clouding the information, faking the information, denying you the information, censoring the information. And they have to do that to justify who they are over here in this tree of knowledge. So again, how do we get back to the tree of life? Because they're going to go. They're going to run towards death. They're going to run towards destruction. And and. You know, I haven't done any shows in a couple of weeks. Uh, I spent some time in the mountains yesterday, and I've been looking at things, and I'm I'm seeing clearer and clearer what really is going behind what's going on behind, not just behind the scenes, but behind those behind the scenes. <laughs> what's really in operation, and it's it's so. Uh, monumental or shocking I can't even tell you on the air but I can tell you the way back and the way back is the way of Christ the real way of Christ and one of the conversations that came up several times in the last couple of weeks dealing with people is uh, uh, Hebrew roots people want to know about Hebrew roots going back and doing some of the things that were part of the original Hebrew Israelite religion in the days of Moses. Problem is our view of that is filtered through the tree of knowledge given to us by Pharisees in the Masoretic text. And our understanding of that text falls more in line with the Pharisees than with people like the Essenes who read the same Torah and came to completely different conclusions. And we've talked about that. So the question is, is your Hebrew roots rooted in the tree of life? 
or are they rooted in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Are you creating another ideology that will become an idolology? I can't even hardly say that, but you know what I'm trying to say. The idol that you believe in. Because it's composed of these images that you extract from the text. And these phrases that you extract from the text. And this is why we wrote Thy Kingdom Come and Sacrifice of Sophistry and... uh, uh, a page on the fringe, you know, that was one of the things in the Hebrew roots. You had to have this fringe on your garments and the breeches. You were supposed to sew the underwear for the Levites. So what does all that mean? See, it's all symbolic. The altars of stone or the altars of living stone. They were always meant to be altars of living stone. And... In the process of that practice of pure religion through altars of living stone with a corbin of free will offerings, not offerings compelled by men who exercise authority, we by the nature of God's creation are drawn near the tree of life, the Holy Spirit. This, this being born from above, this connection to a higher spiritual realm that will guide you through the pitfalls and stumbling blocks of the world. You have to, this is why Christ commanded that his disciples make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It wasn't about where you were sitting. It was about creating a social network with a daily ministration of pure religion where you, by the nature of that relationship, by the bonds of that relationship, have to start caring about others at least as much as you care about yourself. And ultimately... No greater love hath the man that he lays down his life for his fellow man. He will actually care about his fellow man more than he cares about himself. This is why God created the family. Is because in that family structure, the husband has to care about the wife and the wife has to care about the husband and they both have to care about the children. And in the kingdom of God, that that caring that they have within the family has to be transmitted, transmuted into caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, your neighbor's freedom, your neighbor's rights. And in discussing some of these things that are coming up, and right now we have, uh, you know, Kay Brown in Oregon who's got all these dictates. And she's just following what she's being told. Because she's interested in power and money and money and power. And they gave her power. They put her into office. She wasn't originally elected. And then I don't believe she was honestly elected now. But that's their, that's their government. That's not, not my government. But I don't believe that they were honestly electing her. But it's hard to tell. But the point is, is that 
she's putting these mandates on the people in the different counties, and there is a county government, which can be autonomous if it so chose to be autonomous, but it would have to take back all of its responsibilities. Like, uh, this is one of the debates is that some of the counties are trying to take back certain aspects of county government, of local government, and take it out of the hands of the state. But then there are certain things like mental health. They don't want to handle mental health. They don't understand that. They want, they want to deal with agriculture and business because they understand agriculture, but mental health they don't. So they want to give that back to the states. Let the states take care of mental health in the county. Well, when the state can take care of mental health, you just lost your Second Amendment. (laughs) Because they can declare you mentally incompetent and take your guns away because you're a threat. And you see the laws all across the nation going that way. You know, if you, in in many places, if you've ever gone into, you know, like you, you maybe you lost family members and you, you went to the doctor and they put you on antidepressants. You may have just lost your right to bear arms. And, you know, you could because for one moment you said you were mentally incompetent and you needed drugs to fix your, your state of mind. Again, religion is this pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. Mental health should be taken care of by your religion, not by your politics. It shouldn't be done by the state governments. It shouldn't be even done by the local county governments. It should be done by the churches. That's that's who should be taking care of your mental health. You know, I see, because I've studied so much of history, I look at... I, I can look at books written in the 1800s, 1700s, you know, stories, novels written about the times, historical novels. And I can see the way in which people thought about things at a certain time. You know, like our article on Davy Crockett, you can go to Preparing You and look that up. And so Davy Crockett was in a time where it was absolutely taboo in the minds of Americans that the government would take care of charitable needs, like if there was a fire or, or a famine or anything. That that wasn't the government's job. That was the people's job. That they were used to organizing to take care of fires and famines and, and uh, difficulties. They did that themselves and they did it through charity. That's the way Americans thought. They didn't think, to even think, even in Congress, when they thought about, well, we've got the money, we could do this, and uh, they often rejected the idea because they realized that's not the way Americans do things. Americans don't force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare because they care about their neighbor's rights as much as they care about their own. That's not the case anymore. FDR said, no, no, we'll take care of your aged parents, your disabled, your your mentally unstable. We'll take care of them. Of course, we have to force you to pay in to help take care of them. (laughs) You opened a Pandora's box of unrighteousness. 
with FDR. I mean, it was already opening up with people like Woodrow Wilson and, and others before them, but this was the transitioning of America from a great nation to an evil empire, which is what it's become. Now, no, no, it will take humility in the minds of the people to say, oh my gosh, we've been doing this wrong. We've been coveting our neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority for over a hundred years in America until we have returned to the bondage of Egypt worse than before. So how do we get back? Well, that's what we'll have to talk about in the second half of the show. So come right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So let's change pace so that we can walk our way back towards the Tree of Life. That's the another direction. And so we talked about the fact that uh, you people are replacing politics or replacing religion with politics. And politics has become kind of a new religion with some people. And uh, they're gleaning what they call politics, what they think is political or political science uh, from the tree of knowledge. And they're all over the place. And that uh, that Kruger effect that we were talking about, that uh, that really confuses the Dunning Kruger thing, that where people think they know what they're talking about and they don't, requires that we go back and redefine these words as they were originally defined. So religion is how you take care of the needy of society, and pure religion is doing it without exercising authority one over the other, but exercising love, which is another word for charity. Same word in the Greek that we see translated charity is often translated love. So you're either taking care of one another out of love or you're taking care of one another out of force. And if you're doing it out of force, you're going to need to climb around in the tree of knowledge and people will be grafting branches in and out and cutting branches off and hiding branches <laughs> and you won't pretty soon you will become manipulated the ultimate goal of what's going on is to decrease the human population down to a fraction of what it was once and then turn that fractional group of humans into slaves and so that they literally lose dominion of the earth. Because that was the original command of God. Is to dress it and keep it. Because God gave man dominion. Of this planet. And somebody wants to take it away. And they can't kill man. But they could let man kill himself. So we've, we're running towards death. Because we've been doing all the things. That the Old Testament told us not to do. And 90% of the people I see. Who talk about Hebrew roots don't see the basics, like the one purse. They don't see that. That runs towards death. That They don't see that the altars were living altars. They worship the ritual, not the righteousness. You see, we're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, not the rituals of Hebrew roots. 
especially when those roots are the roots of the tree of knowledge. Because, see, most people understand what the Old Testament says because they've been climbing around in the tree of knowledge. The only way you could be eating of the tree of life is that you were actually practicing pure religion. You are not engaged or haven't been engaged for generations in uh, covetous practices. Well, nobody can say that. Because ever since FDR, everybody in America has been engaged, engaged in a covetous practice. And like I said, it started even long before that. Because public education, when it went away from being funded by private donations into being funded by taxation, you are now engaged in a covetous practice. Uh, when your military was no longer a voluntary military, but literally you were being taxed. I mean, after the Civil War, uh, property tax became rampant throughout the country. There was a lot of the property that was never property taxed in America. That people owned their land in fee simple. Page 45 of March of Democracy. Uh, by James Treslow Adams. This volume right here behind me. <laughs> I had to turn around and it went away from the mic. But uh, that people, the average American was becoming a tough nut, that's what it says, <laughs> for any imperial power to crack because he actually owned his land. It was untaxable. It was untaxed because he actually owned his land. People don't do that anymore. They don't even know what that means anymore. And and people are out there offering you all kinds of package deals and you sign this and like paperwork is going to save you. No, the tree of life is going to save you. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. Same thing. Tree of life, Holy Spirit. Just different ways of saying the same thing. So how do you get back to that? And if you think... You get back to that with the rituals of a pharisaical view of the Old Testament. You're suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect because <laughs> you're you're not you're not seeing it. It's it's really simple. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Moses said it. Jesus said it. And you have to love God, which is uh, something that created. Choice for you. So you have to create choice for others. I mean, if you're raising your kids, isn't one of the most important things to teach your children is how to make choices? And how do you make choices? Climb around in the tree of knowledge or climb or seek the tree of life and eat of the tree of life. Absolutely essential. So, I mentioned politics and religion. People replacing politics with religion what about the politics of religion? <laughs> okay, what what does that mean? What, what are we really talking about? Let's let's look at the word ideology first. A set of doctrines, beliefs that are shared by members of a social group or that form the basis of a political, economic, or other system. Other system would that could that include religious systems? Because I mean, they're talking doctrines or beliefs that are shared by members of a social group or 
that form the basis of a political, economic, or other system. So that's an ideology. So what is the ideology of God? You know, because I know that people create ideologies, and we just talked about the fact that they worship the ideologies that they create, and you can tell they're doing this because they have cer- certain words and phrases that, I mean, there's several things that will show us, but certain words and phrases, you have to say certain things a certain way, and you have this repetitive or ritualistic way of approaching things. You know, you have to have your prayer shawl, and it has to have a fringe, and it has to be blue threads, and all of that, and I've added to our page on fringe at Preparing You, so that you can see that these are all symbolic terms. The term blue, why the word fringe, does it really have anything to do with fringe? Does sewing the underwear of the Levites has anything to do with making their BVDs? No. These are symbolic. You do not want to be worshipping the ritual or the symbol because that is idolatry. So what is politics? So what's the definition of politics? The art or science of government or governing. Especially the governing of a political entity, such as a nation, and the administration and control of its internal and external affairs. Now that's one definition. There's there's another definition, and I'm I'm actually looking at our page at preparing you on politics. You can look that up. And there's there's four recordings there already. We've gone over a lot of this, but. Just so that we define these terms so we know where we're going. Because we're seeking the tree of life. And if you don't understand politics, if you don't understand religion and what these words mean, they can become stumbling blocks. So that you can't find your way back to the tree of life. You keep stumbling over these stumbling blocks. So like I said, there's another definition of politics and it's the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict amongst individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. When you want your rights back, you want your power back. Because one of, the, one of the words for power, exousia, that we see in the Greek, means the power of choice. You want that. I mean, that's why they have the trucker strike in Canada. More power to them. I'm fine with that. But they're missing something. I, I see elements of it showing up in the things that they're doing. It's difficult to see. We do have people in Canada... Um, uh, I don't, I'm not in regular contact with them, but, uh, I know people individually, uh, that are seeing things that are going on there, and I get little bits besides the news. But, uh, let's go back to this other definition of politics, the activities associated with governance. Remember, the Bible is the book, according to Wycliffe's introduction, is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. The United States is a political entity. 
But America is a nation, a country, or an area. I, I maybe shouldn't even use the word nation. Country or area. So the activities associated with the governance of the area has to do with the conversation, the debate, or the conflict amongst individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power, hoping to achieve their right of choice. That's what you see going on in Canada. They want the right of choice, not to wear the mask, not to take the vaccination. It's interesting that over 90% of truck drivers have already been vaccinated. But some of them don't want the boosters. And if the mandates are still in place, because there's going to be a, a continuous succession of boosters, because there's going to be a continuous uh, succession of variants. And... You know, the, the, this is what, you know, the Japanese scientists and Israeli scientists, some of them, and certainly in Johnny Ioannidis and others are saying, is that you can have this total collapse of the immune system if you keep having to go to these boosters. This is what the Japanese study was specifically saying that was enhancing the danger. So all the things that we've seen... 20,000 dead within a few days of getting the vaccine. Uh, And the estimates is that's only 1% of the actual fatalities that have taken place since the vaccination. So that that would mean you're talking millions of people have died. Of course, they're not diagnosed as COVID deaths. They're diagnosed as myocarditis or heart attacks or you know, blood clots or aneurysms or all these other maladies that were associated by Dr. Suzuki with the spike protein. But anyway, back to this governance. Governance refers to all processes of governing, whether undertaken by a government, a market, or network. This is the definition right out of Wikipedia. Market or network, whether over a family, tribe, formal or informal organization or territory, or whether through laws, norms, power, or language, which is why we're going to the problem of defining these terms. So, politics can be the kingdom of God, there's politics in the kingdom of God. It's not where you're controlling an entity. It's where you're controlling yourself. And in order to control yourself, you want to be tapped into that Holy Spirit that will show you how to control yourself. You want to be cognizant of the tree of life. You want to be born from above. You want to have this spiritual guidance, not emotional guidance that can toss you to and fro, but an actual spiritual guidance that lists where it wills, not where you will. Setting aside your will is the nature of sacrifice, which is why Corbin, meaning sacrifice, draws you near the Holy Spirit. Because the practice of setting aside your will 
opens you up to receive the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is essential to understand. This is what you see in the family. The husband sacrifices his will for the needs of his wife. And the wife sacrifices her will for the needs of her husband. And they both sacrifice their will for the needs of their children. That was created by God because it's the nature of God's creation. When we magnify that in the family and extend it out to the rest of the world by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and starting to learn to care about others as much as we care about ourselves, something metaphysical takes place where we can come nearer to the tree of life. Every time you get closer to the tree of life, you get closer to the light. And the light shows you where you have not been as self-sacrificing as you think. But it makes you immune to that uh, Kruger effect. of Because it's humbling. It's a humbling experience. It makes you aware of the fact that you're not quite as good, smart, intelligent, the Dunning-Kruger effect, as you thought you were. And what it, it shows that you are naked, that you have a lower ability to decide or discover what is good and evil with your own mental process. And the more you admit that, the more you come to that humbling place where you know, I don't know, the more you can be enlightened. But if you know already, if you think you know already, if you think you, you've got the ritual, you've got the prayer cloth, you've, you've got the magic words, you've, you've been born again, you know already, you're not going to be able to come into the presence of the tree of life because there's a light there that's going to show you that you don't really know. That you're not really saved by your own imagination. By your own emotion. That you need to approach the politics of God, which is the politics of humility. Realizing that your life was given you, now you must give your life to others. Wow. That's huge. Isn't that what Christ taught? If you're coming in the name of Christ, that should be no problem to you. If you're coming in the name of Christ, because the name of Christ, the character of Christ, that's what name means. It has to do with your character. Is that he came... To sacrifice himself that others might be saved. Can you imagine if you had 144,000 people that had the character of Christ? Wow. That would be powerful because you would have that connection to that power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with that power of the Holy Spirit will come all those miraculous things that you, you see talked about in in the New Testament. And 
But that can't be your goal. Yeah, because that, you, your goal is not to have that power. That's vanity again. Your goal is to admit that you're not the Father. You can't create the Father. You can't elect the Father who will solve all your problems. So, what does this look like? What does this transmute into when you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another? Somebody was asking on Telegram, uh, you know, why don't I explain more about the government of, of God and how it works? Well, if you're eating of the tree of life, you know what to do. You'll, you'll know each day, each moment what to do. If you don't know, then this is what you see. This was another topic that came up dealing with Christ who says, and I thought it was interesting that they went to this in the conversation. They went to this part where Jesus says, you know, why hast thou forsaken me when he was hanging on the cross? And I, I made reference to the fact that this has to do with the night and day of creation. That to test the inclination of the heart. I mean, we have the night to make us appreciative of the day. And there, there's a place for that withdrawal of the Holy Spirit to test the inclination of your heart because without the withdrawal of the Holy Spirit, you will not say the prayer, where is the Holy Spirit? Why hast thou forsaken me? Where I want the Holy Spirit. I want no substitute. The, the night is a, cry, a, a call to prayer for the day. We, the winter is a call uh, you know, to prayer for the summer. You got all these skiers praying for snow, but everybody really who lives by the land wants the summer to come because that's when growth comes. That's when life is born again. Uh, with the, the rains and the waters that flow out onto the land. And we see life blooming again. Flow is a big, huge thing. Somebody was asking about, he says, well, because I was telling them that the altars were always living altars. And the stones were never to be hewn or regulated. Going back to those political definitions where it talks about uh, such as a nation and the administration and control of its internal and external affairs. That's the kind of government people want. That's not the kind of kingdom of God government. The kingdom of God government is that you're controlled by the Holy Spirit because you are drawn to the Holy Spirit and you love the light that comes with the Holy Spirit. And you're willing, you have the humility to follow the directives of the Holy Spirit. Now we can talk about, you know, obviously if you're going out killing people, if you're going out trying to control people, if you want to have power over the choices of other people, you're probably not following the Holy Spirit. I mean, we can do the redneck thing, you know. You're probably not born again. (laughs) If, If you're 
going to men who exercise authority and asking them for benefits at the expense of your neighbor, it's pretty clear you're not born again. You're just under a strong delusion. You you worship your ideology that says that it is okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority, even though Christ said it was not to be that way with you. And when I point that out, you go like, what's he talking about? Well, I I can only hope and pray that someday you understand that what I'm talking about is the gospel of the kingdom. But if you've decided that that's okay to take away the choices of your neighbor, yeah, you you want you want to win the vote so you can hew the stones of your altar. The problem is your altar, your legislature, your Congress, your Senate, your Prime Minister, your Parliament. These are the priests of your altar. Isn't that where you go to receive the sacrifices of your neighbor? Yeah, that's your religion. Your religion is the religion of tyranny. You've become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others. You've gone out of the way of God and away from the way of his righteousness and into Babylon, into Nimrod's kingdom. Nimrod's kingdom of force and control. And you're hew, you want to hew the stones. You want to make your governors and your prime ministers and your presidents do your will and force what you want. Now, I know that some of you want to simply go back to freedom of choice, etc. But how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to take care of your parents so they don't have to go to a bankrupt system to get Social Security? Are you willing to take care of your neighbor so that he does not have to go to the men who exercise authority one over the other to provide for his need? Are you willing to practice pure religion? Because that's the politics of the kingdom of God. We know that most people are willing to practice the politics of Nimrod, the politics of Cain. I mean, that's what you see in, in the colleges now, they used to allow free speech. You could come and you could talk about all kinds of things. Now they won't do that. Why? Because long ago they gave over to the idea of forcing their neighbor. Of the power of controlling. Forcing their neighbor to provide for their public schools. And that spirit of forcing the neighbor to have to fund your child's education, the next step is to force what your neighbor can say, what your neighbor can think, what your neighbor can wear or have to wear. And it's perfectly okay with you because you're not going towards the tree of life. You're going more and more into the darkness. So let's turn around. Let's go back to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So welcome back to Key to the Kingdom. So real quick, the politics of the kingdom is the activities associated with the governance 
of an area, whatever area you live in, especially uh, the debating conversation in conflict amongst individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve the power of choice, the right to choose, the liberty that God gave us, the higher liberty. See, Romans 13, he's talking about that liberty of choice. They don't, they, King James doesn't translate it that way. They say power. But, you know, let every man remain subject to the higher power, the higher right to choose. That's what the word there means. It means the right to choose. And so, if you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you have to give your neighbor in that area... That's why we organize the network at, at Preparing You based on geography so that you start gathering in your area, whether it's Texas or Alaska or Denton, Texas or wherever you're at, that you start gathering with other people and start learning to care about their needs as much as you care about your own. Having the conversation, some will be wanting to go back to Hebrew roots. Some will want to focus on diet. Some will focus on this and focus on that. But the kingdom of God's governance is every aspect of life. And you have to let people follow. You know, when we were raising our kids and home teaching our kids, we had six boys, six girls. They all had different interests. Of course, they're all different ages, so they have different interests at different times also in their life. So they had certain studies they had to do, certain chores they had to do. But if they had a particular interest, we helped them pursue that interest. Because we knew each one of them is an individual. We were raising individuals, and that's what it says there in that definition. The activity associated with the governance of an area and the debate and conflict amongst individuals. So you know your children have to have debates and conflicts so that they learn to deal with those conflicts the same in a congregation. There will be conflicts. If you only want to be in a a congregation with perfect people, there is no congregation suitable for you. Because you're not a perfect person. You have to approach this from the standpoint of humility. So the governance in the kingdom is all processes of governing yourselves and your family. Whether undertaken by you or your neighbor. Because your neighbor has a, you know, you can say, well, we need to contribute to this. Let's, let's support this. Maybe your neighbor doesn't want to. You have to allow him that choice. You can have the conversation, but you have to allow him that choice. But you have to be, you know, even though we were giving our children the right to make choices every day, there were certain requirements that they show up. And one of the things that when they began to travel about more, we said, you you can go. Wherever you want to go, but you got to tell us where you're going. So we know. Because you're still living in, as long as they were still living in this house, once they moved into their own places, that that's another thing. But when they're living in this house, they would have to tell us where they're going. 
and you know, it's just simple common sense in the sense that, well, we've got to know which direction to send the search parties if you don't come back. But the reality is, is that's that's why you have the congregational meetings. Now, here, somebody, several people have asked me this week about the Sabbath uh, in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and the Sabbath is not about a day. It's about a way. It's about working first and then enjoying the fruits of your labor. That's what it's about. It isn't about Saturday or Sunday. People that, well, which, you know, this is such an unhealthy thing when I see people asking this question. I, I say it's unhealthy because there's a stumbling block there. Well, should we do it on Saturday or should we do it on Sunday? You know, all the early church met on Sunday. Very clear. Early documents show they were meeting on Sunday. That's because they already had a Sabbath on Saturday. I'm talking about Jewish people becoming Christians, or what would eventually be called Christians. They were meeting on Sunday because that was a work day. And there is a job with seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They'd already had their day of rest. The, the, the day of rest was never a convocation where a bunch of families went to a church building. <laughs> that's not, that's not what was going on on the Sabbath. Now there might be, you may have guests over on the Sabbath and they stay for the whole Sabbath. But that was in a home. That wasn't going off to some church building or temple. The Sabbath was a day of rest. I mean, you were to fix your meals the day before and all that kind of stuff. But the key to the Sabbath is what you do the first six days of your week. Did you earn that rest? Or did you borrow against the future? Because the Sabbath is about debt and the avoidance of debt. Because avoidance of debt is avoidance of the bondage of Egypt. Because the bondage... If the Israelites had been preparing... According to the instructions of Joseph, before the famine, they would have never gone into bondage. But Joseph wasn't there. Because they sold their brother into bondage, they went into bondage. That is a built-in rule of the kingdom of God. The creation of God. That if you want to control your neighbor... You will be controlled. If you want to exercise authority over your neighbor, your neighbor will get to exercise authority over you. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. Again, back to the fact that your governments, you know, your Social Security Administration, your National Insurance Administration, those are the altars of your religion. Those are where you go if you have need to take care of the needy of your society. Those are the priests and high priests of your religion. People say, well, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. If you were giving to God what is God, there would be no Caesar. There was no Caesar in Rome for the first 500 years. Why did they need Caesar? They got Caesar because they weren't giving to God what was God's. They weren't taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Romans used to do that. Israelites used to do that. 
Americans used to do that. They built their schools with free will offerings. They built their roads with free will offerings. They built prisons with free will offerings. Really? You don't know your history. You don't know what made America great. And this is why we try to, you know, we write about people like Davy Crockett and stuff like that. So you get an name. But uh, America, uh, uh, what was his, uh, something, I can't even think of the name. Democracy in America, uh, Alexis Tocqueville. Uh, he wrote a, he toured the country and he saw all kinds of things and he wrote about them. And it's very educational to read what he had to say. But what did God have to say? You know, I mentioned Zephaniah at the beginning of this. And Zephaniah is a book that we want to get into. And it, it's got many, many layers like most of these prophets. Zephaniah means Yahweh has hidden. But it also can mean Yahweh has protected. Uh, and part of that protection may be because Yahweh hides. I mean, that's what... The Zephaniah, the meaning of this word Zephaniah. We're coming on hard times. You don't know where to hide. You don't know how to hide. You don't know how to find the protection of God if you cannot find the tree of life. If you aren't drawn near the Holy Spirit. In order to be drawn near the Holy Spirit, you need to repent. You need to think differently. You need to realize that taking away choice from my neighbor, taking away from my neighbor, taking the property from my neighbor, taxing my neighbor, forcing my neighbor to contribute, or, or if you're in a local county government, if, you're, if you want to give the power to take care of the mental health of your community over to the state, you are headed, you are running Towards bondage, you're running towards condemnation. Now, do you want to take over that in the county government? No, you want to take over that in your churches, in your community. Now, that we have gone so far away from the kingdom of God. There's an entire Red Sea between us and the Promised Land. How do we part the Red Sea, especially when we got the armies of Pharaoh at our back? Coming in with all these new rules and regulations, I could go through and give you all the, you know, the 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 they're seizing the power, they're seizing control of your food, they're seizing control of every aspect that you will need to live, and they're doing it because they don't really the ultimate powers behind all this, the evil, the draconian evil that is behind this wants you to perish upon the earth so that you are nothing more than serfs and slaves, the few of you that are left on the earth. It is time to repent and turn back and go the other way. This Zephaniah was likely uh, likely written in around 622 BCE or as late as 586 that was about the time of the Tarquinian kings being thrown out of Rome and setting up the the original republic. 
But, of course, this is taking place a little bit farther away. But the idea that information was not was passing between these people that is very likely that it was. So this book of uh, Zephaniah is focusing on the day of the Lord, a tradition which also appears in Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Obadiah, and Joel. And it has to do with this coming judgment. Like I said, certain things are built into creation. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. If you decide to take away choice from your neighbor, choice will be taken away from you. And you have decided in America, in Canada, in Australia, in South Africa, to take choice away from your neighbor because you've created you know, public education, public health care, social security, national insurance, all this based on men who exercise authority one over the other. That is the religion of Nimrod. That is the religion of Babylon. That is the religion of Cain. That is the religion where you plow the Odama and force the contributions of the people. You can go that way. But because you live in a Gimel universe, a cause and effect universe, I throw in these letters now and then so you get the understanding when we talk about them in other places. You live in a cause and effect universe. As you judge, so shall you be judged. And now you need to think differently. That's repentance. You need to judge a different way and judge that, oh my gosh, that's not right. We need to take back our responsibilities. Not only because that's the way back to obtaining your rights, your power of choice, but because it draws you near the Holy Spirit. And as I was saying at the very beginning where somebody said that God cannot be in the presence of sin. No, sin cannot be in the presence of God. If you go back to the tree of life, you will be in the presence of God. And those that are sinning who want your destruction cannot come near you. And you will have the fire, the pillar of fire between you and the armies of Pharaoh. You see, I'm I'm talking, I'm switching back and forth from the metaphor and the allegory to the principle that if you will not go to the light, you will remain in the darkness. If you will not see the truth of the fact that you have been coveting your neighbor's goods in America and Australia and Canada and South America for a hundred years and more, where you have been neglecting your responsibility to practice pure religion, For generations now. This is why you're in bondage. Because you were willing to put your brother in bondage. Somebody was arguing on one of the uh, YouTube uh, channels. He he cannot even see. Uh, He he has this absolute uh, dogmatic approach to things. But the Dunning-Kruger effect really takes over in his mind. And uh, he he cannot see the simplicity. He thinks that, well, you know, citizenship is voluntary. You can just stop being a citizen. Well, yeah, but the debt doesn't go away. And where's the debt? I mean, who paid for your schooling? Who? I mean, 
You can say your neighbor did, but of course you already have Federal Reserve systems in all these countries, so that, no, you haven't been paying for anything. You've just been borrowing money against the future, which is not keeping the Sabbath. All the people, want it, well, we want to do it on the right day. If you're in debt, you've already blown it. <laughs> and there is no country, no nation, no political entity that is not in debt. They've all abandoned the Sabbath and borrowed against the future, not only of themselves, which has made them merchandise, but the future of their children. That's hard for some people to accept, that you're actually in bondage. You're not in liberty. You're back in the bondage of Egypt, and it's worse today than it was then. I mean, they were casting out their brephos, it says in the Testament, their children. How many children are aborted every day in America, in in the world, in Canada, in Australia? It's unbelievable. No, the, the bondage today is worse. And all this took place while you were going to your churches. They're filled with false teachers, false prophets, that said it was okay to covet your neighbor's goods. Oh, they, they tickle your ears. They, they, they speak great swelling words from their pulpits. But they're not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They're certainly not preaching the repentance of your covetous practices, of your sloth. The slothful shall be under tribute. This is why you, you've gone the way of Samuel 8. And now they take and take and take and take. And now they may even take away the very things you need to survive. And if you don't, you know, well, we won't go into the mark of the beast thing. But that's already here. It's already here. Already a done deal. So now we need to go and find out what Zephaniah was saying. Because it's the same thing that we saw in so many of the other prophets. The same thing that we we saw in many of these minor prophets. But he says it a little bit different. You know, in chapter 1 he tells us that this coming judgment on Judah, followed by the great day of the Lord, this is where that cause and effect begins to take place. And see, there's still time to repent so that the cause and effect of repentance takes place. Which will put you down on the shores of the Red Sea. The sea will still be there. And there's no way across the sea. You can't get across the sea. It's a whole sea. <laughs> and the armies of the Pharaoh want to come down and destroy you. Because you decided to be free. You decided to choose for yourself. Well, what you don't want to do is choose for yourself. Except for you want to choose the tree of life. Not the tree of knowledge, which is the tree of vanity. The tree of pride. The tree that you can figure it out. That you can you can study to show yourself approved when it actually says to be diligent to show thyself approved. De- be diligent in what? Pure religion. Taking care of one another in faith, hope, and charity. You remember the Israelites, when they left Egypt, and they really weren't outside of the, the jurisdiction of Egypt, they just left the, the particular area that they had been in. They left with all the old people, with the sick people, the infirm people, the young, the baby, the women who were pregnant. This is a big deal. 
This is a very dangerous and vulnerable place and they're down there on the shores of the Red Sea and they see an army coming. This is, this is, we live in interesting times. But anyway, by uh, chapter 2 we see we are told that the judgment on Israel's enemies is going to take place. And of course we see that on the, on the Pharaoh in that story. See, all these allegories are telling you about certain principles because, see, that you want, your choice now is what side of that judgment, what side of that great day you will be on because the cause and effect are already in motion. The enemy is already in the gate. The destruction is already planned. It's on a schedule. Uh, the the pandemic is just a little tiny part of that, a, a, a prep moment of that. Uh, what's coming is far more cat- uh, catastrophic. But it, it, it I mean, at, at many many different levels. But if we repent and go back the ways of God, that cause and effect of God in the great day of the Lord will take place. And the enemy will receive what we think of as a harsh judgment, but the destruction, and you will not receive the destruction. But you can't do it to save yourself. You have to do it to save others. Otherwise, you're actually on the side of the enemy who wants to save himself, who wants the treasures of Israel, who wants to destroy the people. You you can't have that spirit dwelling in you. You're not near the tree of life if it's in you. The tree, if the tree of if you really care about others as much or more than yourself, you're you might be a Christian. You might be a Christian. Uh, by chapter three, we'll see in Zephaniah that we see a repeat of the common wickedness of Jerusalem. What is the common wickedness of Jerusalem? Followed in verse 8 through 13 of its trials and conversions as the nation ending with a song of joy. You want to be over there with that group. <laughs> That's where you want to be. So anyway, we'll, we'll probably start Zephaniah in earnest, uh, you know, next week, hopefully. Unless we get interruptions with uh, war in the Ukraine or something, but uh, the the word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah the son of Cushi, the son of Gadaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, and the days of Josiah and the son of Ammon and the king of Judah. Now. Those are all symbolic words. Now, they are actually maybe real people as well and and real events, but they are symbolic. But it's by verse 2. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. Uh, This uh, We see this word, I will utterly consume, is translated from the the appearance of a word. Aleph, Samak, Pai, Repeated twice. They repeat it twice. Because this cause and effect, it is on a spiritual level. 
and it's on a physical level. See, one of the things that Satan, Satan, we we call him Satan, the the dragon, the Beelzebub, whatever. Uh, this one that was cast out of heaven, and uh, he was smarter supposedly than all the other angels. Uh, he was he was very smart, very powerful, but yet he was defeated. By those who remain loyal. Why? Because he was doing the same thing that Adam did. He turned his back on the light and became his own light bringer. He was going to decide for himself what was good and evil. So his vision is also clouded. But that's not going to do you any good because he's probably smarter than you. Unless, of course, you're eating of the tree of life. So even though I talk about all this destruction and all these difficult times and uh, horrendous uh, events, and I don't go into a great deal of detail about them because it, then you're moving from fear. You don't want to be moving from fear. You want to be moving from that love, that desire to sacrifice yourself for the well-being of others. So that process of caring about others as much as you care about yourself, of of caring about, you know, attending to creation. This is one of the reasons why we raised our kids in an agricultural environment, that they they had to have chores. We're about to begin lambing, taking care of the life of these sheep and the life of the cattle. And as we do that, we're actually going through, on a one level, this idea of of dressing and keeping it. But this also has to be on a spiritual level. And this is why Aleph Samak Pai is repeated twice. Anyway, thank you for coming to Keys of the Kingdom. Peace upon your house and God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.